Welcome to the Lutheran Outdoor Ministry Podcast. This is the place to be to hear all the latest news and information about the world's finest outdoor ministry network. And now, as always, here's your host, the Executive Director of Lutheran Outdoor Ministries, Mr. Don Johnson. Thank you for joining us and hello to everybody throughout the LOM network and anywhere else where you are joining in with us and we hope that this will be helpful to you. We think it's going to be really good and it's a way for us to have uh, a sharing process throughout the network about a particular challenge that's been uh, facing us during this past summer of 2020. And uh, I've gathered uh, our representatives from a group of four LOM camps from around the country. And these are camps who found it necessary to cancel their normal summer camp during this past summer. And that was uh, just the whole thing of getting to the decision of canceling something that is so fundamentally important for the ministry that we have. And in a hundred years of Lutheran camping in the United States, I don't know of any one time when so many of our camps have had to cancel their summer camp program. And that's where it all started with summer camp. So uh, this has been a historic time for us in not the best ways of history. But in any event, the four camps that are joining us are camps that they had to cancel their summer camp like so many of our, our um, LOM camps. And yet at the same time, they made a commitment to diving into summer and making sure that their camp was going to be a generator of ministry experience for the people they would have normally been serving and perhaps for many others. They're willing to share what they did in their alternative ways this summer, and not as the do-all, end-all experts, but as the ones who are willing to step out on a limb, share what they've been doing, and get the conversation rolling throughout the whole LOM network. So we have with us uh, today representatives from Bear Creek Camp in Pennsylvania, Flathead in Montana, Good Earth Village in Minnesota, and Lutherwood in Oregon. And we are going to begin today by asking the representatives from Good Earth Village in Minnesota to get us started. And that would be Diana Parks, the executive director, and Hannah Lafleur-Camp, the program director. Uh, Hannah and I are excited to share what we did this summer. As many of you, we um, really prayed and stressed and felt a lot of grief about the decision. And it, we spent a lot of time and discernment, careful, close discernment about what we were going to do. And then in the face of some data that said online camps wouldn't be popular, we decided to do it anyway, because, you know, 
we just thought it would fit our context well. And so it just seemed like we needed to do something and we wanted to make sure that the people who were so disappointed that we were not going to be on site still could hear from us and still have the influence of Good Earth Village in their lives. And we also felt that it would be a good resource for our synod overall, as so many of our colleagues in faith formation were also uh, scrambling and wondering what they were going to do. You know, outdoor ministry professionals have the great benefit of knowing how to pivot quickly, even though we weren't always sure we were doing exactly the right thing. uh, We went forward into our community. We pulled in some resources and got advice from our colleagues about what might be helpful. And uh, I feel very good about what we developed in our, what we called our virtual village program. Alongside of the decision to do virtual village, the board was also looking at our year-round staff and our overall operations and made a commitment to make sure that our full-time staff were all fully employed. And um, so we've been really concentrating on making sure that the ministry as a whole is leaning into opportunities that the pandemic presents and not simply worrying about all the things that we can't do. And I feel really good about how our, how our program has done that. We did wind up furloughing some part-time, our part-time staff, but all of the year-round staff, except for a few who elected to be partially furloughed, um, have been continuing on. And so we did have the full support and the brain trust of our year-round staff to inform what we did too. Uh, Hannah can speak more to how we handled and hiring our summer staff. Yeah, so um, we were in the midst of, of hiring our staff when um, these conversations were starting on um, what we would be doing this summer and would have loved to hire um, our 30 summer staff. Um, But we decided to hire um, about seven summer staff um, that came on site for one week and pre-recorded all of our videos for Virtual Village. They were staff that had a couple years of experience in outdoor ministry. And so um, they were really our, our strong leaders at Good Earth Village. And so they um, were part of the content creating um, and implementing Virtual Village. So I created the framework of what Virtual Village would look like. And then um, they put together the, the silliness and the authenticity that went into creating Virtual Village. And so Virtual Village is a six-week experience that consists of multiple brief videos of our summer staff leading a variety of camp activities. Each week was built around our Good Earth Village core values of faith, peace, openness, friendship, community, and service. And our seventh value, which is fun, was featured throughout the whole Virtual Village experience. So each week featured um, prayers, songs, crafts, environmental education, a camp recipe, um, and Bible discovery. And Bible discovery consisted of a scripture lesson, a skit or spiritual practice, and reflection questions. Um, And so we created this curriculum so it served two camper groups, which was K through fifth grade and sixth through ninth grade, since those are our primary 
wider demographic of campers that we have in the summer months. Um, so we rolled out each week of videos throughout six weeks of summer. So it felt like a full summer of camp releasing the videos. These videos um, will be available on our website um, throughout this school year. So it's connected to our YouTube page, um, but you can access it through our website. And so um, we wanted to make this resource available for campers to access wherever they were and whenever they could access it. And we just wanted them to be able to engage in those faith-filled conversations um, and inspire them to go explore their own backyard. So these videos were only about um, five to 10 minutes just to give them a little bit of that camp joy and then send them out to have faith-filled conversations um, with their family members and then to go explore their backyard and, and be inspired by the, the conversations and the skits that they saw. Our goal was also to make sure that Virtual Village um, created that same sense of belonging and authenticity and um, silliness that the on-site camp experience um, captures. So we wanted to make sure that same feelings were captured in the context of an online platform. Um, so that's a little bit of what Virtual Village looked like. And yeah, the summer stuff really got silly. They were in costumes for the videos uh, and we're just really illuminating um, what that camp magic feels like and just bringing it to the campers um, through an online platform. Diana, do you want to talk about how we felt during this experience? Yeah, and I'll add just one more thing. Hannah uh, had paid particular um, attention to branding Virtual Village. And so each from week to week, there was an intro and an outro and the transitions were the same. It really, it almost felt like you were watching, um, there are some PBS shows that it felt that it, we, it was very branded within itself too. So that consistency from week to week gave it a professional, a level of professionalism um, that was important. I think, you know, how we felt doing all of this, it was mixed, you know, it was uh, really tough to only have seven instead of 35 summer staff around. And the year-round staff, our roles were very different, and the energy was very different, and uh, we had to acknowledge that grief. So we felt joyful that we could do it, and it was fun making making the videos and building the, the this program out. But there was an awful lot of grief. There is no substitute for that in-person experience. As much as we really worked on trying to say that we are Good Earth Village and we are a Good Earth Village community and we are siblings in Christ no matter where we are. Every single one of us missed the presence of the campers and the noise and even the trails. It's amazing to go on the trails now. There's grass growing where there usually isn't any um, because it's all been beaten down and it's, they're just reminders everywhere that it's just not normal. And then also, you know, we did a lot to make sure that the summer staff felt safe while they were there and, and we all felt safe. And, you know, it was it was earlier. We're here in August. We're a little more used to it. But, you know, in early June, it's just very weird to see your friends with a face mask on and you can't touch each other. And, you know, camp is such a physical place, too. And um, there everywhere we looked, there were reminders that it wasn't what we normally enjoy. And then Hannah did a really nice job too. At the very hard to create community, no matter what 
was happening. And at the very end, we had a closing worship of, of the staff with the staff. And um, we all got to name name that grief and talk about the things that we were celebrating, but also really have time to, we cried together. We had to cry together and experience that grief. Another thing to talk about is how it was received in our community. So we have a long time, just beautiful faith formation partner who um, immediately, as soon as this thing was released, she went through and um, started organically endorsing what we were doing. She took it upon herself to send emails to folks to let them know what we were doing and to also suggest ways that she knew that she was going to use it. And what's interesting is that there are some congregations, we actually created a leader guide so that we could tell them what was coming and how to use it. She talked about how she was going to use it during the program year. So, you know, because it isn't going away. It's six weeks with six segments a week. And so there are opportunities and ways to use it. And then we even customize a handful of units for some congregations that we thought would be high users. And so, you know, we did a whole special song, multi-song segment, for instance, and did some personalization. And that was really, really a cool thing. I'm going to ask a couple of questions. Do you have any idea of how many people took advantage of your virtual village experience? Yeah, great question, Don. We didn't have a way to capture the exact numbers of users. We could go in and check our um, data from our website on on people that clicked into that page. But we wanted to make a resource that was free for our community. And so one of the alternatives to not to accessing that for multiple people um, was we didn't have a registration system to count numbers um, since we wanted to make it accessible for anyone. Um, So it is on our YouTube page. Anyone could access it. But we did get feedback from individual families and, you know, different emails um, from people. Um, So we heard kind of that feedback in different ways. But we weren't able to figure out a specific number. Um, and that may be something we, we look at doing in the future um, in 2021 is to um, figure out a way in which we could capture the number of users. Um, but we weren't quite able to do that this year with what we created. We also know that there are some pastors and some youth directors that were going to access it in their own Zoom. So if they created a Zoom experience with their um, confirmation classes or their um, Sunday school sections that they would be, you know, reaching multiple children, multiple youth at the same time. So we, we, we haven't captured those numbers yet. But, and you had seven uh, staff, summer staff who were involved in this. Were they there for the full six weeks, was it you said? They were just with us for the one week. So oh, we, they were there for one week and they, they did the recordings for the whole yeah. thing. Yep. So we filmed like over a hundred videos in one week to capture everything. Um, And then throughout the whole summer, we had a phenomenal pastor from one of our congregations who um, has editing skills. And so he was able to edit throughout the summer. And then we um, rolled out these videos through the summer. So it was a busy, busy week. You Um, mean Joe McGarry went out to Minnesota? (laughs) No. Um, No. uh, (laughs) Pastor Carl Eric who is a great advocate of outdoor ministry. <laughs> Did you have other things going on at Good Earth Village 
uh, even though you didn't have summer camp and you had all the virtual camp activities going mm -hmm. on, was the campsite closed down completely or did, did you no. have access for other things to go on? We did not have any other programmed activity. We basically um, had a pretty clever, we have a very clever colleague named Tyler who came up with the slogan, vacation in God's creation and created some marketing around opening ourselves up as a campground for even the spirit of seize the opportunity to actually be on site this summer if you're not a camper and to encourage families to come. So we actually have one of our alumni is there all, all this week with her husband and four children. They're using Virtual Village to do their own family camp. She's an ordained pastor, so she's got some pretty good skills, you know. But she told me that they're using Virtual Village. They're doing it throughout the day. They're going on hikes. So they, they've created their own camp on our, on our site. And for all of our rostered leaders, we have opened the site up for them to come for free. We don't have any food service, so they're on their own for that. But we have been promoting it, and we've been getting some great traction in the community for people to come. We have a pastor who actually moved out of our synod a couple years ago. He came, how long was he there, Hannah? Like eight days with his pop-up camper? Just yeah, he came out. for like three days. <laughs> Yeah, he was initially and, going to be there for three and he stayed over a week, I think. So, um, so no programmed. To, so the short answer would be no programmed activity, but uh, we have an open invitation for people to come and enjoy the site. We are going to move on to our next camp uh, because we're at that um, point in our um, uh, time allotted. But I'm wondering if anybody else has any questions they would like to ask Diana and Hannah. This is Margie. I had a question. Did you charge for your virtual camp? It was offered for free. And we gave credit that it was made possible by our benefactors. So we used it as a stewardship moment. Great. Thank you. And have your benefactors been stepping up to the plate? Yes. Yes, they have been. They're, they want to be engaged. They're very concerned. We're having good conversations. Uh, next on our uh, schedule is to hear what happened at Lutherwood in Oregon this past summer. And with us for the podcast is Andrea Schofield, the executive director at Lutherwood. So, Andrea, the floor is yours. Great. Well, thank you. Thank you, Don and LOM for sponsoring this podcast and for all of us to share our, our experiences. I think we're learning more and more how our stories are just helpful to each one of us. There's little nuggets in everybody's stuff. Um, I would like to just start by um, March 12th when we got the notice from the governor of Oregon that it was mandated for all schools to leave their outdoor school experiences and get on the bus. We had three hours to close our outdoor school experience and get our everybody off and out of here. And so as of March 12th, we have not had anyone programmatically on site except for yesterday. And so right after that mandate from the Oregon governor, we also 
um, at the end of March, we, when we realized it wasn't going to be opening up in April, all of March, we just kept everyone on the payroll until the end. And then we let everybody go, but three of us. So that was, um, nine, eight staff. And then the ninth staff left the end of April. So, uh, grief was huge. And it was amazing to not have anybody on our site. And it was really difficult to then look at all the positions and the tasks and the work that everyone was doing and try and divvy it up. And one of those staff members that we kept, so it was our our facility manager, it was me, and it was our development director. And she was going on maternity leave. So it was one of those times when you just go, wow, I wasn't expecting (laughs) to lead everything. Um, So that was. That was that was really hard. So early on in April, our board of directors decided that we would not be holding summer camp, and we made that decision collectively with the bishop of um, the Oregon Synod, and also with our um, just the Oregon Health Authority and our uh, Lane County Health Authority, and. Our bishop still has encouraged our churches to stay as much online as possible. I'm on a call each week with our rostered leaders, and it's been very helpful to be in alignment with them. The other part that was really challenging for us in 2020 was some of you recall that in 2019, we had a major fire at our camp, and we were just beginning. um, We were wrapping up our building. We had just launched our capital campaign. So we made another decision in April that we would be a construction site and we would finish out that building thinking it would be done by the end of April. And we are now one week away from our our occupancy, our final inspection. So it has taken forever to finish that up because so many things just slowed down. It didn't stop. It just slowed down. With that pause, we got many, many requests to use our site, um, families to come out and to do those kind of things during the summer. And we chose not to have anyone on site. That was a painful decision to make, but it was a construction site. There wasn't anything that people could really do. And I didn't particularly want campers here that came because of all of our staff and came because of all the activities and none of that was going to be here. And so my concern for them was they would just live in deep grief and disappointment. And so we had chosen that we'll keep it a construction site. But what we did choose to do was put together um, eight, no, five Zoom campfires on Friday night. And we used the LOM curriculum for every day. So Mondays was the first Zoom campfire and so on. You know, I don't need to tell you each one. So our last campfire wrapped up last week. And so that was Friday of our Zoom, I mean, of our LOM curriculum. And we used those themes throughout the summer based on what we would have done and shared that. And our summer staff stepped up to do those Zoom campfires. And past staff came from Colorado, from all over over to help us with our Zoom campfire. And they were um, delightful. We will be doing something this fall. We're taking a a pause now from that. We let the summer, let it be our last summer campfire. And we would close our campfire the same way we would close it at, um, with the same song, all that kind of stuff as our traditional campfire that you have on site. We, we, We did it just like we would do a campfire if we were on site. We did a skit. We did all the things that come into a normal campfire. We led singing, all of those things. 
we had um, both adults and we had campers. We had just each week was a different variety of people that joined us on our Zoom calls. The other thing that we've done um, is that we decided that for social media, we needed to add a zest to that. So we have done what's called social media takeovers. And we've invited people that know camp well, uh, previous staff, um, summer staff, year-round staff, and they have taken a week. And they've done all these different ways of doing social media about Lutherwood and their experience there. And then we've posted those. So each week there's this um, smattering of storytelling from the from the lens of whoever is our guest social media takeover. And we have had some amazing um, stories be told and uh, testimony to their faith and uh, families are really responding to that as well. And then as a board, we decided that um, we are still in the, the industry of and the, the ministry of young adult leadership and training that. So we faithfully hired two interns. We have a partial funded grant from the MJ Murdoch Charitable Trust that pays for a portion of that, not for all of it. And so um, we decided that back in, so by July, July 1, we have hired two new interns. Really an interesting experience to have two new interns join us that haven't been at summer camp at Lutherwood before. Uh, one would have worked at Mount Cross this summer and wasn't able to do that in California because they didn't hold their program either. And then another one, um, she has, hasn't been on camp staff. So that's been an interesting, so I'm their supervisor and they've jumped in with both feet and it's been delightful to have them on camp, but really very, very different. And then the other thing I would say that we've done is we've really looked at branding and marketing, but more than anything, I'm still trying to lead a capital campaign in a pandemic by virtual ways of meeting with donors and keeping people connected. And we have our Spirit of Harvest um, annual fundraising event coming up in October and getting sponsorships. So we've we've spent a lot of time figuring out how to do continue to do fundraising. So. Um, as our new dining hall and kitchen comes to a completion, we are now in the midst of permitting for our new bathhouse. That's part of our campaign. And then we'll begin the planning and finalizing for our retreat center. So we have not, haven't taken a break from that. I will say that. So what have I learned from all of this? It's been incredibly exhausting. <laughs> I'll be honest. It's been overwhelmingly exhausting. We've been trying to do projects here at camp that you can't do when you have 100 people here every day and trying to decide how do you spend money when you don't know how long your little bit of money needs to last and how do you continue to engage people and um, then running the site and keeping the site safe. And it's been amazing how God has shown up and God has sustained us. and. Um, I couldn't do it without the few staff that I have that are amazing and our board of directors and our rostered leaders in Oregon and our LO, my LOM colleagues that I meet weekly with or um, as often as I can. So thank you to LOM for your support because this isn't a great adventure of fun. It's a great adventure of tenacity, perseverance, and dedication 
And um, I pray for you guys all the time. And then when we have fires on top of that and we have hurricanes on top of that and COVID outbreaks on top of that, it's overwhelming. So first of all, I say to all of you, God be with you and continues to walk with all of us. And we are definitely on paths untrodden and uh, journeys unknown. So here we go together. And I'm very so willing. I feel so called to continue to do this work. The last thing I want to say before I um, ask if there's any questions is I don't know about 2021. That's all I know. We are still, we've signed an agreement for fall outdoor school. We have an agreement with our spring being packed for outdoor school coming and using our site. So if both of those programs go, that's another, you know, 22 weeks of the year that we'll have people here every single day. But our Oregon schools are pretty um, uh, mostly going to be online. So I don't think our fall outdoor school program is going to happen. So for Camp Luther, we will be already now into a year of no income. And um, since our fire, and that's really, we are barely out of that before the pandemic hit. So I'm still trying to figure out that piece. And then um, we are working towards March 1 or February 15th goal of outdoor school back to Camp Lutherwood, Oregon, and all of our kids and our summer program. And that's how I'm planning. (laughs) And I can't do 15 contingency plans anymore. I'm planning. That's the way it's going to happen. And then we'll go from there. Are there any questions any of you have for me? Andrea, I have a question. It sounds like you're really depending on um, on your donors for the financial sustainability during this time that you have virtually no revenue. A hundred percent. And that's why our fall fundraising is important. That's why the phone calls that I make to donors and trying to also keep our operations um, working and our campaign alive it's it's a it's a big job and, and it's a burden do you feel that the um the virtual so you know the virtual campfires and that kind of thing has that been helpful in terms of uh, making the case with your donors or is it even a factor in uh, making the case I think it's one more piece in it. I don't, I wouldn't say that's not the be all end all, but what we wanted to do was to make sure that we were in touch and we stayed in touch. So we're trying to do that every day through our social media and other ways. And then like yesterday, here's the little bright spot in our summer. We had one day camp yesterday and they were for foster kids in our county and it's a whole new organization. So the organization brought them in and did their programming. We were only the host site. So we had about 30 people on site yesterday, 15 kids and everybody wore masks. It went off really well. Um, And it was a joy. It was a joy. It's the only time our swimming pool has been used (laughs) since last summer. We didn't serve any meals or do anything like that. So Yes, we are sitting right on the backs of donors where Luther Wood has been in the past. I'm grateful for them. And I'm also trying to be a really good steward of when and how we ask for help. Are there other um, questions or comments in response to Andrea's presentation? I have one last thing. We are now, as an organization, we're really looking, we've put together a team for diversity, equity, and inclusion, and how our program needs to change for that. So that's starting. Our board of directors has decided also we're moving forward on some strategic planning processes. So um, Lutherwood is 
doing some really internal work on how we want to be an organization for the next 60 years. And along with everything else, even though I'm excited to do that work, I have to tell you, it's still, that's just one more exhausting thing, but it's right. It's the right thing for us to be doing. And the people that have stepped up to help us with that, oh my gosh, it's going to be a gift. So stay tuned. (laughs) That's going to take a while, but um, there's plenty. That's awesome. And um, Andrea, just uh, one note, Uh, obviously from where you started, March 12th is indelibly written on your memory. (laughs) And it's indelibly written on my memory, too, because that happens to be the day that I celebrate my birthday. <laughs> oh, there you go. And April 12th is our, was our I'm fire sure anniversary. I'm not sure if I want the same association. <laughs> Probably that. not. But yeah. then in April 12th is our, was our fire um, anniversary as oh, well. Oh, my goodness. So, yeah. 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 So I kind of skip the day 12 in the month. I just go from 11 to 13, and we just are happy. <laughs> Andrea, thank you for sharing. I think one of the things that um, is uh, pretty much universal throughout the LOM network, as I see it, is that um, whatever people are involved in doing, whatever the initiatives are, whatever the decisions are, people report that it's exhausting. And the other thing that, you know, you're um, uh, giving thanks to all the uh, cloud of witnesses throughout LOM, that is uh, something that's so important for all of us to remember is to continue praying for each other. Because no matter what the challenges are, we all have challenges that have not been tested before. So I um, thank you for that. And thank you for the um, reminder uh, of that. All right, we are going to move on to Bear Creek Camp in Pennsylvania. Happens to be in Bear Creek, Pennsylvania. And Colin Grooms is the executive director at Bear Creek, and he has just been through his first summer as the executive director at Bear Creek. Not the first summer of being a camp director, but the first summer at Bear Creek. Wow, what a way to start. Colin? Really interested in hearing what you have to say about this experience. Yeah, thank you, Don. And um, it's an honor to uh, be on my first LOM podcast. I fan, um, sent a fan email to Andrea because her podcast was one I listened to when I was a, a director in Wisconsin with United Methodist Camping. Um, but it, it's nice to be here. Um, and yeah, so my family moved across the country in January. We started January 4th. and you know, that was supposed to be plenty of lead up time to be ready for a full summer of ministry at Bear Creek Camp. Um, We have an amazing team that was in place here. Our program director, Karen, um, and our program assistant, Krissa, they had been here a while and and knew the ropes. And we had an awesome food service team and maintenance team. And so I really just walked into um, a camp ready made to go for this summer. So then when we hit pandemic, you know, as, as a new director, you know, it's challenging to pivot away from the norm if you don't know what the norm is. So I had to work really, really hard to learn the thing that we weren't actually going to do um, so that we could be ready for um, whatever was going to come next. So as we approached April um, and May, you know, there was a universe of possibilities. There was so much to do. And sometimes it helps to have boundaries or limitations because that forces our creativity. So one of the pieces I appreciated was the research that came out um, from Sacred Playgrounds that helped 
kind of show where constituencies were. And, and we ran the same thing with, with our folks and found that the virtual programming was not necessarily something that was desired or requested, which was a good relief off my back because, you know, coming new to an organization, it's hard to sing the songs and, and do the things the Bear Creek way if you've never done it before. And I didn't want to stick my neck out in that way um, too quickly. And then the other boundary limitation, you know, we all have the financial boundary limitation, but Beyond that was we received our PPP loan um, and we got it in April, which was kind of in that second wave, which at the time was disappointing. But when it actually happened was actually a blessing in disguise because under the original terms, if we remember back to when this program had terms, um, it was only you were only allowed to use it for eight weeks. And our eighth week was going to be um, the last week in June. And we had looked at that as kind of... Um, was going to be our delayed start um, at one point, was going to be that last week in June. So we're like, okay, perfect. We've got that. We made a commitment early on that our food service manager, who we, who we bring on for the summer as she works in a school district locally in the year round, we were committed to um, employing her for the summer at, at her full salary. So we had food service, which allowed us to do whatever could come next. And then what we figured out with the PPP funding is that we were left over with the equivalent of 40 staff weeks of um, funding. Um, so, you know, that could have been 40 staff for one week. And what we did was turned it into 10 staff for four weeks. And a really cool story of that is then I took that idea to our Northeast Synod Bishop, um, Bishop Sam Zeiser. And I was telling him the story about, about 10 staff. And he said, you know, 10 doesn't sound very biblical. What would it take to get to 12? And then um, wrote me a check so we could have the disciples for the summer. So out of that came um, the Bear Creek Camp Conservation Corps, which I think is only named that because I love ridiculous acronyms and we could call them the B quadruple C. Um, and so one of our programs was that 12, uh, 12 staff. They came on site for four weeks. Uh, their primary purpose, based uh, on the notes that I written, was that staff are a ministry piece that we have as well, um, that the community they have while we're here um, is just as important as the work that they do. Um, and so we were focused primarily on that. And then a service element, which was, um, we have 3,000 acres, 30 miles of trail, 17 permanently established overnight sites, and um, pretty much enough maintenance projects to last anybody a lifetime. And so we trained them as quickly as we could on how to use weed whackers, chainsaws, log splitters, you name it. If it had a small engine, uh, we were willing to put it in their hands. Um, and then we, we set them loose every day. We'd start each day with faith development with some of our summer chaplains or bishops from our synods or really anyone we could find to do some faith development. That was right after breakfast. They'd go out and hit the trails all the way till lunch. Um, after lunch, they would do some program work with the second arm of our, our summer, our family vacation rentals, do some projects. And then after dinner, we would do an hour of intentional professional development, which a lot of that looked like staff training sessions that um, I probably would have led in a normal summer, but we, we threw in throughout the year for these 12. Um, and then in the evenings, we would do um, what we were calling high-level digital engagement some of it was virtual bonfires. Some of it was Instagram lives where they answered questions about what it looked like to be on staff. Just any, anything we could do that was engaging that they were excited about, um, we were trying to do in the evenings. And, and we did that for four weeks, and it was fantastic. I mentioned the family vacation rentals, and that was our, our second arm. 
we were in Pennsylvania. There are six LOM organizations. We were the last of the organizations to have our board make the final call to suspend summer camp fully. Um, and we did that on June 1st. And by June 10th, we had rolled out our family vacation rental model. Um, we'd been working on it behind the scenes a lot and also had been um, beg borrowing and stealing from all of our colleagues in the region who are doing similar programs. So we were able to um, use bits and pieces of the best stuff from everybody around us who is doing the campground model. What we looked at was that our strength is our property and our strength is also our food service. Um, our food service provider, Joyce, has been amazing. She's been really intentional about um, working on locally sourced things, health, health healthy foods, um, catering to the needs of, of everybody with allergies and um, Whatever, whatever they need to do. So that is our strength. And we also know that geographically, we are in the Pocono Mountains. We're only two hours away from the Jersey Shore. There are plenty of family vacation options that were socially distanced, not too far away from us. So we felt food service was a big, important piece um, of attracting folks up here. So we had family vacation rentals for six weeks um, that they were available. Um, families could rent our youth cabins, which are mostly bunk beds, but um, families could rent and pack as many people in as they, they wanted to. And we were asking that they were bringing people that had already been quarantined together with them and a minimum of two nights stay. And as when they were here, they could opt in the food if they wanted. We had limited opportunity for some campfire cooking um, around camp if they wanted to do that, or if they just wanted to bring whatever they wanted to in a cooler. And we had lifeguards each day in our lake and limited programming from the B quadruple C. Um, we did some socially distanced worship where we set up speakers and had everybody stand 50 feet apart from each other. We did some guided nature experiences, again, safely socializing. And in general, just kind of opened up as a place where folks could return to. Um, we saw a huge response from former staff and former campers who hadn't been to camp um, in years. We had lots of families with current campers um, who were excited to, to come as a family. And, and the stories that, that really get me excited, I, I had two families here one week. They had both and did not know each other independently had found camp for their sons for this upcoming summer and you know, had found us on the internet and decided, you know, we emailed everybody who had registered for camp about this opportunity and they had decided to come up to camp just to experience it as a family. Um, and they happened to be here the same couple days. And in sharing their stories and, and talking to them, I, I kind of realized there was something unique here. And so I connected them and the two boys kind of became friends or acquaintances and made the agreement to come back to camp together in 2021. So it's exciting that their, their moms and grandmas and um, siblings had all seen camp. And now what may have been just a, a random, hey, we picked your camp, it was pretty okay, has turned into, they may be... Um, lifelong partners um, because we took care of them as well as we did this summer. So that was a lot of fun. It, we had 115 families come through in our six weeks, uh, representing about 530 people. Um, we also have no reported cases of COVID or had any contact with anyone who's, who said that they have been exposed you know, after being here or before being here. One of the things, you know, the question that you've asked, Don, is how did it feel for our staff and um, we, we definitely did not fully appreciate, you know, we, we all think that summer camp is a grind. You know, it, it's 10 weeks of day in and day out working with youth. Um, you know, you get your couple days off on the weekend, you turn right back around and do it again. We did not appreciate 
how that's actually a pretty restful schedule when you are um, bringing families in and out and cleaning buildings and doing food service seven days a week for six days in a row um, with no breaks, um, you burn yourself out a lot quicker. Um, so we only did six weeks. And I think that was one of the things we said, oh, it's only six weeks, not 10. We can handle that schedule. Um, we were all pretty, pretty tired after four weeks um, and just didn't have the endurance for that um, rigorous of a schedule where every day was a new start and an end to another group. Um, and just keeping that on, I think for the summer staff that came as part of the B quadruple C, they gained a new appreciation for what camp looks like, not in the summer. Uh, most of them had probably only ever been to camp, um, either for like limited winter retreats, but mostly for summer camp. Um, they had appreciation for what this property looks like, um, beyond the scope of main camp, because we got to go to so many places. And I think we've, we've built a culture in, or we're starting to build culture in that will pay off really, really well for me as a new executive director in 2021, as we're ready to do whatever we can do. Hopefully youth programming um, will be one of those things. Yeah, th those were our two programs. I, I think they were really successful. I, I'm happy with what we were able to do. I'm tired of using the metaphor, we made lemons out of, or lemonade out of lemons, but it's, it's truly what we did this summer. And Lots of people, you know, offer their kindness of saying, oh, what a tough summer, but it really was everything I could have asked for. And I'm so, I'm, I'm blessed to have been able to go through it. It, it certainly was a good learning opportunity. I, I, another tip, when we have the opportunity to interact with families, I think it's really tempting in a time of crisis to, oh, we need to spend more time at our desk, more time looking at spreadsheets and numbers and whatever. It was more important for me to go lifeguard at the lake you know, every other day just to sit with families and get myself into conversations. And it was often hard to walk down to the lake because it was like, this isn't what we need to do in a crisis, but it was exactly what I need to do in a crisis because it's paying off um, this fall as I start reconnecting with those folks that I met who are our donors and our families and or future donors. So it was, it was all very positive to slow down a little bit and just have conversation and listen when I could. Oh, and um, that's a reminder to all of us that it's all about relationships. When you use those opportunities that you have, opportunities you probably would never have had if it weren't for the adaptations you have to make with COVID. And let me ask you this, uh, Colin. Is there anything that was part of what Bear Creek was this summer that has never been part of Bear Creek before, but that you're thinking, should indeed become a regular part of Bear Creek? I, I think less of something new, but it was maybe more of something of a rediscovery. Bear Creek's you know, original history was that it was the wilderness outpost for three camps on the Delaware River. It was you know, very wilderness. Everybody hiked and went to over the overnight sites, and that was really the whole core purpose until it became the primary site in our synods when the other three camps were... Um, taken over by the government. So what we maybe have rediscovered is, is with getting 12 staff members who have seen every corner of the property, you know, one of their projects was to paint the property line around all 3,000 acres. And they saw places that, you know, human beings probably haven't been in, in many, many years. And now they're going to have a zest for getting their campers out away from main camp to go find the cool rock or the really neat swamp that's out there that's just a little bit inaccessible. Um, so I think if anything, we're going to rediscover that love of the wilderness here um, and that it's not too scary. It's not impossible. It just takes a little bit of extra work to get out there. 
Um, I hope that's the thing that, that carries forward as we've instilled a little bit of that sense of wonder in staff who maybe didn't experience as campers themselves. Yeah, because the gift that Bear Creek has is 3,000 acres. Just incredible. John, thank you very much. Does anybody else have any uh, our questions or comments uh, in uh, responding to Colin's comments? Andrea. Colin, thanks for sharing your story. Um, the one, it's not a question as much as it is a comment. I'm glad you were lifeguarding. And I would encourage everybody to not sit at their desks all summer long, but to get out and meet their camper families and their staff. So congratulations on that. And I hope it goes with you going forward. Thank you. All right. We're going to our um, fourth and final camp in our uh, podcast. And that is Flathead Lutheran Bible Camp in Montana. And we have Margie Fiedler with us, as well as Jacob Kowali. So Margie and Jacob, take it away. Thank you. Um, yeah, first, uh, just thanks, Don, uh, for facilitating all the LOM Zoom calls. Um, without those calls, calls with ACA, CCCI, um, the Murdoch Foundation, and colleagues every week, I think it would have been a much tougher time um, some of us talked about being zoomed out, and yet every one of those calls um, helped us discern which way and what way to go. Our board started uh, meeting mid-March, and, well, our executive board started meeting weekly mid-March and it was an invitation for all the board members to come. Our executive committee consisted of, of two teachers, an accountant, and a physician who was also a former staff member. So we had a really good team of people um, one of my first calls was to our health, local health department, and I have talked to the head of the health department before, but when I called her this time and I explained who I was and that we would really need direction and guidance, there was a pause on the end of the line, and her words to me were, quote, I went to that camp when I was in seventh grade, and it changed my life. I will do anything to help you. And it was an absolute wonderful um, experience to have our head of our health department on those uh, Zoom or those calls with us with our board and uh, also when we had open forum calls. It was just amazing to get that kind of guidance and direction. The board eventually asked me to make a proposal which I uh, said I don't think I can do. I just didn't want to make that final decision. So the staff and I came up with that we would come up with three proposals and we worked on one of what it would mean for no camp, um, going ahead with youth camping, and then what we ended up with deciding on was the family camp. On uh, two days before the board decided, there was a straw vote of, of the straw vote of the whole board and they voted on going forward with youth camp. We had a day of a, a town meeting type call and the third day, um, the board voted again, and it was unanimous to go with the family camp, which I'm very, very thankful uh, that we did. So uh, we um, ended up with um, having 19 of our about 40 or 57 staff that we would usually have, and those people to me just were the people that had the most incredible servant hearts that I've ever experienced. They knew they didn't know if they were going to come when we called them to do youth camping, family camping, 
or painting all summer, and they just came with a willingness to serve, and so we were very, um, very thankful for them. Uh, we also sent camp to um, camp in a box to all of our uh, to 450 of our campers that were registered by the time we took, quit taking reservations in March, and we also sent day camp resources to all of our congregations, 20 congregations who had signed up for day camp, and they in turn used those in their congregations to do sort of a Zoom um, online uh, Bible school day camp. So. We, uh, we were pleased to um, create a lot of, of friends this summer. Yeah, so obviously with the new structure, our staffing looked much different compared to past summers. In March, we had 43, I believe it was, job offers that were out to summer staff uh, candidates and went through a period of really um, intentional and open conversation and communication with those folks who we had offers out to talking about the structure of the summer, what would be the same, what would be different, what the experience would be like in our best estimate um, on the front side of the summer. And through that process, we ended up with uh, 19 total summer staff, which was a really good number for us this summer. Significant change was our time that we had to train them. We did six days this year. Uh, two weeks is fairly typical for us um, in past summers. So uh, there was a lot of prioritization that happened for that six-day training period. Of course, a lot of that training had to do with cleaning protocols and just managing people to help maintain a safe environment as we possibly could. So that was, of course, significantly different from past years. So each summer staff, each group that came, whether it was a family or whether it was a group from a church that all came out as a pod, we had a staff or multiple staff members assigned to accompany them during their week. So it really varied group to group. Some families and groups wanted a lot of intentional programming and some wanted to just hang out by the lake. And so our summer staff helped provide whichever experience they wanted at camp. Of course, we had to adapt a lot of how that programming looked to make sure we could maintain distancing and be sanitary with everything we did. Um, but our summer staff did a great job of still providing really intentional, meaningful experiences for people that were rich in programming while they were at camp. And then that, of course, changed the way our year-round staff functioned, too. Our year-round staff were much more involved on a day-to-day -day basis with guests and with everything that was happening at camp. We got to see Margie a lot more around camp this summer than in a lot of years with all the travel she normally does. So that was a joy. And it was a really great experience for our year-round staff to be pretty intimately involved in a lot of the day-to-day the -day activities that were going on as well. We probably have had more positive evaluations than ever. Uh, we only had uh, served 584 summer campers. Last summer was 4,057. So it's a much uh, lower number, but we, we feel we really created a lot of friends. We advertised uh, locally in our newspapers, uh, stay vacation as a family, come out, we'll help you do whatever you wanna do. And it was really powerful to have local people come and also people from, from all over. Many of our church people came who had never been here before, many who had been donors and had never been here before and the evaluations and the comments we have received have been phenomenal. In fact, many have asked us, can't you just do this every summer? Because they, they enjoyed it so much. 
So we did uh, felt we, we really created a lot of friends and consequently we have a lot of new donors um, as a result of what we did this summer. So we definitely learned a few things from this process. Um, the first thing that we learned and really felt as the summer went on is that our mission didn't change. We had to change the way we went about carrying out our mission, but the, our mission itself didn't change. And it was really empowering to feel like that was a steady through line through all of our deciding process and trying to shake out what was the best fit and then actually executing the summer. Um, that was consistent and that was really empowering. Um, we learned that uncertainty can be a great way to bring about creativity and to find new ways of doing things. We love our camp traditions, but sometimes those things can become limiting as much as they are helpful. And we try to be as opportunistic as possible to not just rely on how things have been, but to see the new opportunities that we might have. And the disruption in the schedule was an opportunity to do that. With that, we also learned that doing new things is really hard, <laughs> of course, as a lot of you have already talked about, with a lot, uh, a huge increase in the flexibility of our schedule and Colin talking about how exhausting it is to not have that rigid schedule of the week to rely on to carry you through, but to have groups in and out almost on a daily basis and to not have kind of those set chapters of weeks throughout the summer. That was definitely challenging. It was challenging to help accompany our summer staff through that too. They had to agree to a lot more restrictive things than in other summers. Um, we had them on site um, for basically the whole summer. We were able to provide a few very limited structured experiences out into the woods away from camp, but um, not nearly as much freedom um, to go out and do things obviously as they might have had in other summers. And the last thing I'd say we learned is that camps are so, so important. That was one thing we heard over and over again, um, that for families, for our staff, for um, everyone who was able to be a part of this summer, camp is a crucial, crucial piece of their life and their development, both um, as leaders and people and as people of faith. And that was just very apparent to us of how important and meaningful camps are, especially right now. As far as if there's still a pandemic in 21, what we would do differently? Well, one thing we would hope and know is that we would be, I would say we would probably do this same kind of programming with a, with a number of tweaks to it. We would know earlier so we would be able to start advertising that uh, much sooner because not deciding till the end of May that we were going to do this while we as staff had ideas, we hadn't marketed it at all. And a lot of people, it was just, too quick to make a, a you know a decision about that so a lot of people wanted to come after our staff were leaving October 14th we did continue to go now through Labor Day with just a real limited program just having uh, one worship a day rather than two and not offering uh, Bible study but offering activities so we would definitely have it uh, planned better we probably would also um, train our staff a little longer and do more things like teach them how to do an intergenerational Bible study. Some of them could do youth Bible study as they have done in the past, but they, you know, how do you deal when you have a, a parents and a two-year-old and a 10-year-old? How do you do a Bible study and activities for them? So I think we would model some of, some of those activities too. I think we would also probably, we had 
people coming and going as when they wanted minimum of one night. Some stayed one night, some stayed what up to three weeks. Um, so it was all over the map. We might say uh, limit that to only can arrive on a Friday, Wednesday, or a Wednesday, and stay three minimum of two days. Or I, I don't sure how we would do it, but just so we didn't have so many in and out with um, the turnover and trying to clean cabins, um, etc. If we were not allowed to do day camp, if we we could next year, I would, and we we're still in a pandemic, I would really like to be able to offer day camps. Um, our health department did not suggest that because of kids coming and going and going back home. So that's one thing I think we would like to offer in the future. Yeah. One other quick thing, a lot of what we have done historically at Flathead, our wilderness program is a huge piece of that. Um, we didn't get to do much of anything with our kind of standard high school age youth groups from churches, mainly due to travel concerns. But we did get to lead a family backpacking trip for five days and four nights um, this summer. That was a really cool experience to have, too, and that was um, something we had wanted to try. It was good to give it a whirl, and now we have a bit better um, understanding of what those trips might look and feel like and if that's something we can offer more of in the future. I'm just going to um, interject uh, a thought here for all of us, and that is you mentioned your backpack trips and all that kind of thing. Uh, keep in mind that on September 12th, the uh, youth gathering staff is going to be s sending our communication to all 1,800 youth groups that were signed up for the 2021 youth gathering, and they are going to be sending them the LOM resource called Journeys for Youth. And um, it's just um, a heads up to make sure that your listings in Journeys are up to date and any that you want to add, because um, that's a big uh, potential audience for us. 1,800 youth groups that were planning to go to the Twin Cities for Youth Gathering now looking for alternative travel opportunities. And uh, it's gonna be a good way to market your stuff. So keep that on your, on your radar screen. Thank you. As far as advice, if we were gonna do something like this next year, I would, number one, one of the things we did is we called every donor who made a donation, whether it was a $10 or a $1,000 donation, that was a wonderful way to tell them what we were doing and stay connected with them. And I would definitely keep doing that. I would stay in touch with our, my colleagues because that's what kept me sane. Uh, thanks to some of you on this phone. I really, really appreciate that. We uh, are also looking at doing some strategic planning, what this means, and, and really looking at what things, even if we go back to youth camping, what we don't want to bring back, stuff that has sacred and maybe we don't have to bring all of that back and what are the things that are really important to continue that we we learned this summer say amen to that too let me ask you this margie the alternative use of flathead without having your typical summer camp for children between your revenue stream and what your donors are doing in response to the relationships you have continued to cultivate there, are you figuring um, at the end of the year you're going to 
break even? Are you going to have deficit? Are you going to have surplus financial? Yeah, if if it wouldn't be for the 113,000 PPP loan, and we are actually living on the 40,000 rollover in deposits into 2021, we would be in the red right now. We uh, fixed expenses um, could you know we, we cannot keep up with even with an increase in donations. We have not kept up. We we have not had to dip into reserve thanks to those grants. We also got a $10,000 grant from the state of Montana. We um, have not had to dip into restricted funds. We contacted all of the people and uh, foundations that have restricted funds for us and have permission to, quote, borrow from those funds. I hope I don't have to because then we have to figure out how to pay those back. Um, we can also, quote, borrow from our endowment if we have to. Our board has been very committed to keeping our year-round staff in place, but not to rehire right away. And um, our associate director, Kyle, will be leaving mid-October. Our environmental ed director was leaving, moving to Minnesota in, in June. And we, have, we won't replace those people right away. Um, our registrar, one of our community staff, is leaving next week, finishing his year um, contract. We will not replace that person we're, uh, right away either. So by attrition, we're um, saving some funds that way. We hope by, we'll know more by January, and we hope that we will be able to, um, to hire your, more year-round staff then. Thank you. We are getting near the end of our time for this podcast, but I'm wondering if anybody else has any questions or comments in response to uh, the presentation that Margie and Jacob made about Flathead. Hearing none, I'm going to ask uh, each of us if there are any, uh, if you have one parting thought to leave with the listeners to this podcast before we sign off. Diana, do you have a parting thought? I would just say that a word that we adopted very early in this experience when we knew we weren't doing summer camp was to treat this as a sabbatical. And so it is an opportunity. I mean, Margie and Colin and Adrian, we all spoke to it to really lean in and see where the opportunities are. And Margie just said it again. There's something we have an opportunity to finally get rid of. <laughs> Maybe we didn't, you know, don't belong in the future. And I think we've all learned some things. So just letting, giving space for that creativity can't be understated. Thank you. Hannah. Parting thought. It was really interesting to hear um, how each of the camps navigated the summer and um, really lived into their mission in different ways. Um, I think just no matter what type of content or events that um, the camps create, um, it's the building the healthy and intentional relationships with your community is really the main focus of what we do as camps and to continue to do that no matter what that looks like, but to really lean into those relationships that are really important. Thank you, Hannah. Colin, parting thoughts? Yeah, I think uh, my thoughts, it's more for us as, as professionals who are probably listening to this podcast that, um, you know, two, two things. It's really easy to get imposter syndrome and feel like you're not doing enough and that you're, you're not on the same echelon as everybody else who you're watching, see their social media and everything that's rolling out, but know that you're making the best decisions in your context in that moment. And you've got good people around you supporting you with your board and your staff 
um, and to trust your gut um, that, that you belong in that conversation. And then that second part is have the conversation. Don't, don't be afraid to call the director that, you know, you saw something in a LOM webinar or a zoom call and said, Oh, I want to hear more about that. Just pick up the phone and call. I mean, I, I think that's the best thing for me as an emerging professional in camping was knowing that I had people who were willing to share a half hour to talk with me. Um, and don't be afraid of that moment. Um, and then if you're, you're one of the older folks, like know how important those moments are and thank you for making the time and continue to make that time. Thank you. Important thoughts to share. Jacob, parting thought? Uh, nothing much different from what's already been shared, but there's a wonderful array of organizations across the country and beyond in the LOM network. I know all of you out there do wonderful things in your particular settings. Um, it's worked really well for us to just really focus on what is our mission, and in this time, what does it look like to continue to be the ministry that we have been for over 76 years now. And I've seen that happen in other organizations, just like these other three on the call and beyond today, and trust that that will continue to be fruitful moving forward. Thank you. And Margie, parting thought. Oh, I think Jacob said it very well, but I would also say don't underestimate the power of family camp. I really wish we could figure out how to do both because sometimes we think youth camping is where it's all at. And the evaluations from families, uh, kids coming back, we had three teenage boys from one family one week, and they said, we finally get to show our parents why we like camp so much. And it was so powerful, and they they just loved it. And I just think the renewal that happened, the comments that we had, like, we haven't spent this much time together as a, as a family. We haven't eaten this many meals together. We haven't hiked this much together, um, worshipped together. And I just think there's a powerful ministry in family and small group camping. Hey, thank you very much. Uh, thank you to all of you for taking the time for this podcast, for sharing from your experience, sharing from your expertise. It's what LOM is all about, is sharing with each other and helping each other, supporting each other through whatever times we have, the good times, the challenging times. I look forward to seeing you around the network. And uh, believe it or not, there's lots going on this fall with LOM. We'll be seeing a lot more about that in the next LOM newsletter, which will be coming out in another several days. Thank you, everybody. We'll see you around. Goodbye. Bye. Bye. Thanks. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to the only official Lutheran Outdoor Ministry podcast in the entire world. Until next time, check out the Lutheran Outdoor Ministries website or our Facebook page. So long for now from the Lutheran Outdoor Ministries World Headquarters. On behalf of Don Johnson, have a wonderful day.